everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Welcome. 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 Today on the show, we are going to talk about uh, horror movies that made us. We've done one episode of this already, and this will be another, where we talk about, you know, five or six movies, um, some mine, some Kathy's, where we talk a, a little bit about the movie and probably recommend it <laughs> since it's a movie that made us. Although I imagine in our list, eventually we'll get to movies that, you know, this movie made us, but it's not a good movie. I wouldn't really recommend it. But today I would recommend all my movies. I don't know about you. Yeah, I would. Yeah. So the first movie I want to talk about is the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original. I feel like there's been a remake. Donald Sutherland. Yes, the Donald Sutherland. Oh, my God. He's, he's so, so good, good in this. I know. The whole cast. Yeah, for real. 1978, rated PG. So one of the OG PG horror movies that's, like, more effective than many of the R-rated movies, in my opinion. Almost two hours long. It's horror sci-fi. It gets really good reviews. There's no mystery about this movie being a good movie. It's Donald Sutherland. It's Brooke Adams. It's Jeff Goldblum. But way back. Oh my in the god, day. he was so. I forgot he was so young in this. I mean, I they all were, but yeah, he was sure. really young in this. Very, very. And I remember this movie. I have rewatched it eh, relatively recently, like within the last five years, and. What I remember about this movie is seeing it too young, like we do with these movies, because that's been a theme with our horror movies that made us, is that we saw them too young. That That's like two of mine today. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I think that's why they imprint on us, right? Uh, yeah. So for those of you who might not know, this is when strange seeds drift <clears throat> to earth from space <laughs> you know the common story <laughs> mysterious pods begin to grow and invade san francisco replicating the city's residents one body at a time it sounds a whole lot cheesier than it actually is and leonard nimoy is actually in this movie as well <laughs> and veronica cartwright and there's just a lot of really good actors and really good acting in this movie and the poster is amazing. The slow 70s alien-esque, same year that Alien came out, build of the tension and the grossness and the fear and the relationships that are going on. Like that's the thing about PG, right? Is they rely a lot on the stress, the tension, the fear in the characters, the good acting. And this has all of that. But I can tell you that the only thing I ever remembered from this movie before I started rewatching it later in life is that moment in the end when Donald Sutherland <laughs> is standing on the street and I won't say what he's doing, but he's standing on the street and he's pointing and he's got his mouth open and there's this music flourish and it's so fucking scary. <laughs> like I'll never forget that visual. It's kind of like there's some visuals in alien that I just, as a young adult and not really watching these and living my life and not really caring about any of this stuff, honestly, it's just out there living my life and working and stuff. And then years later, revisiting all these things, it's like, that's the vision that I remembered about this movie. And I've always remembered it 
And I think there was a time when I thought, wow, you know, Kathy's seen so many horror movies when she was a kid and, you know, watched horror movies with her mom and had all of these like early experiences and it really imprinted on her. And I was always thinking like, and I didn't really have that. Like no one in my family. And it's just not true. My stepfather was watching horror movies all the time. He was in there watching Dawn of the Dead, one of the first things. You know, I should probably talk about that on one of these episodes. These well, are the people I saw these movies with. Like, Shannon, yes, you, ha- you had those experiences too. You just didn't, like, think about it or concentrate on it. <laughs> oh, for sure. I want to just make a, one clarifying piece, because we did call this the OG, but there was a 1956. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So this is the 1978. This is the one that everyone really knows, though. This is the OG, damn it. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean. like this one. It I'm is. not even sure I've seen the original. No. 56, whatever. This is the one I remember. We've been making our way through some of the Hammer films, if you've heard our clips for Patreon. And I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of the 50s for movies anyway, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. So far, anyway. <laughs> anyway, your turn. I will start with a 1976 American psychological slasher film, Shocker. Yeah. Uh, the movie is called Alice Sweet Alice. It stars a incredibly young Brooke Shields. I think we did a female psychopath episode on that or something. Yeah, a few seasons on. ago. Yeah. So it was before she did the movie Pretty Baby, which is where she got like her notoriety, I think. This movie... Obviously, I didn't see it when it came out because I was not yet blessed on this earth. But I did see it young. and it You was, didn't see them in the womb. I did not. But I remember seeing it young because I've shared this on other episodes where my mom's best friend growing up always had horror on in the background. <laughs> and I'm on the baby blanket being like, oh, there's Reagan. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I, I remember this being one of her favorite ones. And I was so scared to watch it because the cover box, which was everything in the day was this Cupid doll mask on a child wearing a yellow raincoat and had a knife. Mm. So it was terrifying. I'm like, why do I want to watch this? (laughs) So I watched it a little bit later. I was still pretty young, I think, when I first saw it. But the the film really has a cult following. So in 1961 in Patterson, New Jersey, divorced mother Catherine Spages visits father Tom with her two daughters, nine-year-old Karen and 12-year-old Alice, both who attend St. Michael's Parish Girls' School. Karen is preparing for her first communion, and Father Tom gives her his mother's crucifix as a gift. A jealous Alice puts on a Halloween mask, frightening Father Tom's housekeeper, and Alice steals Karen's porcelain doll, scares her, and threatens her if she tells anyone. And then we find out on the, fir- on the day of her first communion that Karen is strangled to death, with her candle in the church transept by a person wearing a Halloween mask and a yellow raincoat. Yeah, those first scenes are pretty slashy. Fucking scary. terrifying because it's one of the first movies that demonstrated a child psychopath that was a little girl. Mm-hmm. I think before that we had the bad seed. Right. Which is also scary. Yeah, yeah. But the because it still, and I know I talk about this all the time, but it was in the height of Giallo. Yeah. That a lot of the camera angles and the shots and the music for sure, the music. And then there are scenes where you just see this little girl in a yellow raincoat, just running up like this empty stairwell. And you're trying to figure out like, is this Brooke Shields who's Mm -hmm. doing this? Is there something else that we're missing? Right. Right. And so you are essentially 
gaslit through yep. this. You, you don't know what is going on and you are in this kind of panic the whole time. There's a lot of red herrings and all stuff, but yes. I think it's mostly terrifying. <laughs> mostly, yeah. Because it is a girl, little girl. And it's one of those long drawn out ones where mm-hmm. there's like many crescendos. Oh, yeah. And it was during the satanic panic and mm-hmm. all of the, you know, the Catholic church and all the scary devilish things that happened. The so omen, all the, yeah, know, the, the scary boy, the scary child was very much a part of things. Yeah. Just the last oh, thing okay. I'll, the last thing I'll say about it is kind of going back to what made it so terrifying is not just like the religious iconic you know the icons that they use because mm-hmm. that was scary at the time but also they talk about if you look up reviews it talks about you know the presentation of the church sequences everything was very closed in and claustrophobic so you really you feel that when you're watching it and i think yeah. it just makes it scarier but absolutely yeah. it, it was really it's a good one mm-hmm. at this particular moment i would like to oh. squeeze in pull the facts with girl opera death metal <laughs> combo there <laughs> we have some horror facts on the show today it was like it was like the system of a down version where it's like oh! <laughs> oh, la, 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 la. okay i remember that um, i remember that band. i listened to them number one what was steven spielberg's original concept for et <laughs> go ahead <laughs> Number two, how many people did it take to control Chucky in the original Child's Play? Yeah, well, he's a demon child, so... He's uncontrollable. That's the answer. Yep. Charles Lee Ray. Number three, what 1980 horror movie is about a girl who witnesses her mother's boyfriend's murder through the <laughs> reflection in the mirror? This oh. was actually known as one of the scariest movies of this time. It's interesting because I would think like, wow, didn't they put that in a lot of movies? (laughs) But maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not through a mirror. Yeah, maybe not. Number four. Long before this actor became Hollywood royalty, he had his feature debut in a movie called He Knows You're Alone. And number five, an average of blank Plymouths were used to make the movie Christine all but two or three survived. <laughs> Another movie that could be on this list for me. Oh, sure. Some of it was shot at my high school. I thought so. you were going to say your house. <laughs> I was like, whoa, we have in, not had this conversation. <laughs> in my bedroom, no. <laughs> it was my car. Just kidding. All right, thank you for that, Kathy. In, in, a, in a little bit, we'll get the answers to that. And be blown away. You're going to be so blown away. Because all of you came just for the facts keep telling Kathy that Mm -hmm. and to hear her sing. I believe it. You guys, I have faith in all of you. I believe it. Most of you. There's no reason not to some of you. (laughs) The next movie I'm going to talk about briefly is called the shining. What is that? Have you heard of that? No. 1980, two and a half hours long, folks. I thought you were going to say 1982 and a half. I'm like, you're getting real specific. <laughs> this one was rated R, probably because all of the blood. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Stephen King obviously wrote the book. Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, very famous. Everybody, the whole movie's famous. Everything that happened on the set is famous. Yeah. 
The blood in the hallway is famous. The twins, the old lady in the bathtub, all the things are famous. The, the Grady twins went on to be very successful ladies. There it is. And so did Jack Nicholson. He's a very <laughs> successful lady too. The reason why for me this was a thing is that I saw this movie when I was imbibing everything Stephen King ever did. Massive fan, one of my first, you know, along with like Judy Bloom, which is a big Gen X thing. <laughs> along with Judy Bloom, I was reading Stephen King <laughs> all through high school, all the way into adulthood, still read Stephen King. But there was a time when I was reading every single book as it came out and trying to go back and read all the old ones. It was a, a, a thing. He's like your Spielberg for me, I think. Yeah, he he really probably was. You're probably right. Like I read all the novellas. I can still remember reading them. I can still remember trying to get the books. I can still remember hiding them. <laughs> I can still remember all of that. And I, I was... To, for me, I was oriented to life as a writer. And so I just early on, like I wanted to be Stephen King and that's not how life played out, but, but I still very much am, am a huge fan and I, you know, not of every book. There's too many books to think they're all great. And I'm very much a fan of the early ones. And what you're going to see going forward over the course of this year is I'm actually revisiting a lot of the books and I'm going to kind of go in order and we're going to do some episodes in a couple months. I'm going to do an episode on Carrie, the book and the movie, and sort of do more of a deep dive into that. And then I'm just going to go on from there because I really want to revisit some of this. And so I had to include a Stephen King movie. And I think, I mean, I think last a story, I should say, a Stephen King story, because he would not say that this movie was his. He would say it's very strongly Kubrick's movie. I think last time I included Carrie. So this time I'm including The Shining because I do remember seeing this. I remember loving this movie. I think a lot because I had read the book, but also because I love Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he's so good in this. And it's fucking scary. It is scary. And the music is really scary in this. The music is scary. The characters are scary. It's really long, but who cares? It's like it's like there's just you know, they had to give him a, like a fake axe because he had been trained in like fire training and he kept knocking down the goddamn door. They, they were like, okay. 56 door. You probably had that as a horror effect. At I think some I point. did. It's like 65 I'm filled with doors. facts. <laughs> well, and uh, Scatman Crothers in this. I mean, there's a lot of controversy about the characters in these movies and how Kubrick did things and all of that. And if we've done a Shining episode, I think before a million years ago, but. You know, I'll get there in the reading and we'll do another one and then we can deep dive into all of that. This is just about me saying that The Shining definitely imprinted on me and I thought it was amazing. And I still, it's still like a comfort movie for me. Well, the atmosphere. I'll just throw it on. The atmosphere, that cold, it's an isolation horror. And yes. I, you know how I feel about those. Yes. I love those. Yeah. One we have not talked about on this series yet is Poltergeist, the 1982 American supernatural horror film directed by Toby Hooper. We were talking about this before we started and we're like, we haven't talked about this? Oh, written because Poltergeist we did as like our second episode ever, which You're isn't right. available anymore. <laughs> we talked about Poltergeist. So I guess there's something in us that feels like, don't haven't we done that before? But no. Well, because it's one of those that... Yeah, it's talked about a lot. We haven't necessarily talked about it a lot, but 
uh, and it's also written by my main squeeze, Steven Spielberg. Your boy. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing this when I was young. It was one of those that I probably saw too young. I was so afraid that I was going to get sucked into the TV. Oh, I mean, it's a fucking scary movie. And then the one, the girl that Joe Beth Williams, who ends up playing, no, not Joe Beth Williams, who plays Carol Ann. The little girl. The little girl who ended up passing away. Her Her character is already like scary enough. Yeah. I mean, the thought of what happens to her, that's already scary enough. But I also remember hearing when she got sick. Heather O'Rourke. Thank you. Thank you. Heather O'Rourke. When she got sick and how my horror brain went to that place of it's because she did that horror movie and she got cursed on the set. Yep. Because there was a lot of rumors around that. The first (laughs) couple of poltergeists, many of them got very sick. Yes. Not just her. Yes. So a lot of cursed movie set stuff. Yeah. And so this was one of those films that I started to stay away from because there was so much panic around the exposure to it. Right. And I have a lot of memories about that. It's a really well done film. It's typical Spielberg that it takes place in the San Fernando (laughs) Valley subdivision of some sort overlooking. Yeah. It's right over the hill here in Simi Valley. And so, you know, it's comforting in the sense that those of us who grew up in subdivisions, there's a familiar piece to it. It's a quote unquote, you know, however we define this now, but normal American family, there's nothing remarkable about them. Suburban. Suburban family. And it just, they just get pulled into this horrific situation by doing nothing except buying a condemned house. And so where do your where do your heads go in the 80s you know it's like oh my god is my house haunted and do I watch the tv late at night and all of those things it just left that kind of it took me a while to really shake all of the culture around this film the message around this film the death and illness around this film there was a lot so yeah I don't know it's I have a love-hate relationship with it understood I mean this movie was shot near me (laughs) so like near me growing up I guess I should say so I was definitely I agree with you like I was very connected culturally to this movie because the neighborhoods that I grew up in are in this movie there there we are you know so I, I get what you're saying like houses that look like that backyards and pools that look like that bedrooms I mean all the things just felt and Joe Beth had this the mom had this sort of perky healthy mom funniness vibe that was like very 70s and 80s yes very much my mom Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the mood there there's my mom on the screen you know uh, i didn't have siblings so that was a little different for me but like i obviously was a little girl so i see her i don't know the tv like but one of the things i appreciate about this movie is one that it is pretty it was pretty scary for its time and that weird seance lady that they have come in was come into the life caroline such a cultural yeah. icon at the time she was very unique um but what i remember is that this movie had a lot of humor in it it did well it, it was spielberg it had a signature spielberg twist of humor throughout it you know et had that all the movies had that that spielberg did back in the day i think he's made a lot more serious non-humorous ones as an older gentleman but back in the day 
it was all they all had like a lightness to them. He did a really good job at developing the all American family, but with all the complexities. And he does this in Close Encounters as well. And that's that would be on my list, but I could, I only did three today. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he and he pulled parts of his own childhood, just like you know comedians do. It's like an, an exaggeration of their their life. Mm-hmm. He did that in a lot of his early films. You know, E.T. really resembled his parents' divorce and he being a young boy and feeling alone, and the alien represented that friend. Like he he there was so much personal stuff and personal touches. I think that he did with these early films. And I think that just resonated. There was a comfort in that. And then you have this dichotomy of the horror element that's thrown in there. And you're like, Oh shit. Cause that could be me. <laughs> yes. Right. That could be any of us that are suburban. Very effective. And now we have a haunted house yep. and a TV that's sucking us in. And it speaks and dead ske- And those skeletons in the back were real. And that damn clown in the bedroom. Fuck that clown. And that tree through the window. What the fuck? Yeah, I, got, it, I got trees out my it's window. All, it's how genius. It's all stuff that many of us have in our houses. It's everyday things. Yeah, he just rips from the culture and terrifies the shit out of you. You did it again, Stevie. <laughs> the next movie I want to talk about is Silence of the Lambs. 1991. I mean, enough said. Two hours long. Crime drama thriller. It had all the things. Because another one of the authors that I read a lot of when I was young was crap. I'm gonna now I'm gonna forget the name. But it was this author, and it was a crime author, and his one of his first books was called The First Deadly Sin. And it was turned into a movie and all of that. And I just Lawrence somebody, and I'm gonna remember it in a second, and you guys are all probably screaming at me. It's the the, the and it was um (laughs) it was about a serial killer right has and the first deadly sin by lawrence sanders and there were multiple of his books and i read them very early on and it was probably one of the first depictions in a book it was very american psycho white guy very pristine environment who's killing people and that was new to me at the time so here we have Silence of the Lamb. So I was into crime drama very early on as well. And so this movie, besides obviously being an Academy Award winner, amazing performances, most people love this Jonathan Demme directed, oh, Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Scott Glenn, like everybody loves this movie. If you love movies, you love this movie, this script, everything. But for me, it was also, I was an adult by this point, but I think for a lot of young women as well, as Jodie Foster's performance in this was like epic, like kick-ass. She was amazing. She had this very strange affect to her that was very different than what we had seen Jodie do before. Mm-hmm. You know, I had seen her movies as a young person and as a child actor. And I, I loved her as that, but then as a grown up, this, this, she just kicked serious ass and yeah. I just loved her. And then Anthony Hopkins, I mean, come on. This movie has, I think, lasting effects on so many people who saw it at its time. And it was so ahead of its time and it was so incredibly disturbing and the performances, even though they were big names, and this is really hard to do. You forgot you were watching movie stars. I know. Because they were so invested in these roles 
the music, the score alone will just send shivers down your spine. I know. It's, it's epic. terrifying. It's epic. And and just for me personally, um, the first Deadly Sin, that book I'm talking about, I was just in this kind of thing at that point. And, and, and this, the book was, you know, in the 1970s, like I didn't, I didn't read this book when it first came out. It was a book I discovered when I was getting really into crime drama. And, you know, my dad was a criminal justice teacher and writer and, and had a degree in that and all that. And so it was just a thing. And so this movie just kind of blended right in there and then just had a chokehold on me for in the nineties. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and yeah. it doesn't go away you watch it and it still stands it's Love still it. just as terrifying you yeah, know i re- i rewatch it but i try not to rewatch it too often i i like to rewatch it you know yeah every, every now and then every now and then just because i do like to remember mm-hmm. all over again some of the things so agreed yeah the last one i'll talk about is is not as old as some of these others, but definitely had a lasting impression. It's about 10 years old now, which I can't believe mm-hmm. is the movie, the Babadook. Yeah. Australian psychological horror, f- horror film. It debuted at Sundance. Essie mm-hmm. Davis, who plays the mother, Noah Wiseman, who plays the son. My God, talk about two <laughs> performances. You cannot escape. This movie uh, was one of the first, I-, I watched this horror film in the middle of the day and I couldn't move off the couch. It is scary as a horror film, but it's also so psychologically terrifying. And the characters are so desperate and sad and terrified and in such a stable, I mean, excuse me, such a static position of grief that it's something that's a little bit too familiar Mm -hmm. to my childhood. Mm Mm-hmm losing a brother very early on and watching a mother who could not let go of that grief and the way that grief can literally haunt a family into a very pathological place and how it really is one of the scariest monsters. And, and then if you just even take the film at face value, this creature, right. With the little hands and the hat and the, and you see him all over it. Like the, the, you know, the scene where you, you see him on the coat hook in the back and then he's gone. Yeah. Um, they do all the, these like really, really creepy scenes where he sort of appears and then disappears. And you, you think like your eyes are playing tricks on you. Yeah. So from a horror place, it's terrifying. Yeah. But then from a psychological place, it's also terrifying. And I do think we've made a lot of movies since then mm-hmm. that have done this. But I would say that this movie will always be a standalone favorite for many people because it was just done so well and it it's really effective Mm -hmm. in making you feel a lot of different things absolutely and you hate them and then you love them you feel sorry for them you don't feel sorry for them (laughs) you want to protect them you want them to die it does this back and forth thing yes and then when it ends, you have mixed feelings about that whole thing. So I don't know. I just, this movie really affected me. I liked it too. I, it didn't imprint on me like it did on you uh, for obvious reasons, the reasons you stated that are very unique to you. And that's, that's movies, right? Right. But I do, I do like this movie. I am one of the people that found this movie really compelling and interesting. I think maybe for me, it was more because 
it was one of the first horror movies I watched, or it was in a, like a group of horror movies I watched where that were just beginning to use grief as a theme. Mm-hmm. Because now we have 45 million of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of movies like this that we have 45 million of them because it was just such an effective analogy for the monsters that haunt us. And I, I just remember liking it very much. So yeah, agreed. So this has been an episode and, and we're going to do some fact answering now. All right. <laughs> that was the cookie monster. Yeah. Whoa. My gosh. <laughs> that was. All right. Mm-hmm. What was Steven Spielberg's original concept of E.T.? Uh, an alien from space comes down and kills all of suburbia. Uh, you're not entirely wrong. <laughs> a family that is terrorized in their home by five aliens. There you go. That would have been such a different movie. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Number two, how many people did it take to control Chucky in the original child's play? Three. Eleven. Mm. Okay. What 1980 <laughs> horror movie is just it? Just a one doll. Just eleven. <laughs> he was out of control. Obviously. In uh, what 1980 horror movie is about a girl who witnesses her mother's boyfriend's murder through the reflection in the mirror? Well, I think it's obvious. I have no idea what this one was. This is the original Boogeyman from back in the day. I think Crispin Glover was in this actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he super young or no? I I guess Crispin. Glover's pretty old. <laughs> well, yeah, Crispin Glover. It would have been, you know, a few years before Back to the Future. So um, it was before. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we're not talking about, like, the one that just recently came out. This one is, like, 1980, okay. I think. Interesting. Yeah, you said 1980 movie, so. Yeah. The original Boogeyman? The original Boogeyman. Oh, no, not, sorry, not Crispin Glover. John Carradine. John Carradine, who, for those of you who watched No Revenge of the Nerds, right? He was, he was opposite of uh anthony what's his face from er anyway i'm, I'm, I'm digressing <laughs> well we like the conversation around the facts number four long before this actor became hollywood royalty he had his future debut in a movie called he knows you're alone he knows you're alone i don't know tom hanks ah yeah you know everybody got their start george in clooney then. all of them and then number five, an average of blank Plymouths were used to make the movie Christine. All but two or three survived. I don't know, like 15 or something? 23 to 28 cars, depending <laughs> on the source. I'm like, they don't know. <laughs> yeah. Depending on who's talking. It's probably like 10. And They're over like time, 75 they get a game of telephone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just want to make it sound exciting. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Kathy. We've learned things. I try. And we've talked about movies, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. And follow us on our social media. Become a patron if you want more. And thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.